This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Happy Friday, or you're in Jacksonville right now. Probably looking like a gloomy Friday as we got some thunderstorms rolling in. Looks like it's been some thunderstorms the whole week in Coos. Hopefully you didn't have too many beach bar plans, but that might be getting shut down. Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690. I'm Austin Lane, joined by Justin Coos, pushing all the right buttons. My co-host Brent Martin today is out of the office. He's actually at his son Ty's uh, baseball game right now as we speak. Hopefully that can keep on rolling and doesn't get rained out. Because I'll be honest, man, growing up in, you know, when you're in third or fourth grade and you're playing flag football, you're playing the soccer, you're playing, you know, even t-ball, baseball, pick your poison. Um, there was nothing more disappointing to me than being rained out because, like, you know, back in those days, like those games didn't get, you know, they didn't get, you know, they, they didn't reschedule those games. It's like, all right, well, you paid the fee, uh, you skip a week, we'll see you next week. And man, I distinctly remember some Saturday mornings getting rained out playing flag football at the Iowa Scandinavia middle, um, you know, the middle school field, and I remember pulling up with my grandma. Those clouds are rolling in, and all of a sudden the whistle blows, and it's like, yep, the games are off. And I remember just going back with way too much energy because I had about 25 Capri Suns, about three Rice Krispie Treats, thinking I can't burn this energy off, and I have to go back home and watch cartoons the whole time. And it was uh, it was a shocking experience, to say the least. One of the biggest bummers of my entire life. Coos, you ever had that experience playing those, you know, playing that, uh, you know, that youth soccer, the youth play football? Did you even play soccer and play football? Probably not. You just I did basketball. soccer for a little bit. Yeah. I did baseball for a little bit, but like, I was like the kid that played with like the grass in the outfield that wasn't paying attention. <laughs> So, I mean, basketball is where I was at, so we never really had to worry about getting rained out. Well, and guess what? Heaven forbid for basketball, you guys never got rained out, so you always yeah. got to play it. Yeah, I mean, see? You know, there were times where, like, we wanted to play outside, and it rained, and we weren't able to. Oh, oh, such a bummer for you two. I yeah. mean, yeah. But, no, at the end of the day, I think everybody who's played in youth sports can relate to it a little bit. So, fingers are crossed for Ty. Hopefully, he gets his baseball game in today, um, and hopefully, Brent Martin doesn't get too soaked, uh, you know, being the great parent that he is out there. Um, today we got a lot of sound coming in. Uh, we're going to talk to Doug Marone a little bit, hear some of his stuff, what he had to say. I'll be honest, I haven't heard anything of it yet, so I'm curious myself just because, once again, sometimes I'm kind of like the black sheep of Jaguars media. I don't get invited to all the big shindigs every, you know, every once in a while, but it's okay. I can read and react. So we're going to break down some of the Doug Marone audio today, what he had to say. And also, it kind of echoes the point a little bit now, too. Now that the last dance is over and we were greeted with the Lance Armstrong thing, like, let's be honest that I didn't watch it all. But to me, the last dance is still prevalent right now in sports and sports culture because we're still waiting for Major League Baseball to come back. We're still waiting for the NBA to come back, still waiting for NHL. I mean, they're coming back, but we're still waiting on it. So we still have the last dance to go off of. And and a point that I probably brought up about a week ago, almost two weeks now, is Phil Jackson's coaching style. Okay, because to me, Phil Jackson is one of the greatest coaches of any sport of all time. Now, you can make the argument, yes, when you have Michael Jordan, when you have Scottie Pippen, when you have Dennis Rodman, shout out to Tony Kukoc. You know, when you have Tony Kukoc, when you got Luke Longley, when you got Steve Kerr, when you got Horace Grant, 
but of course you're going to win some games. When you have that high caliber of players, but of course you're going to win some games. But to me, what made Phil Jackson such a great coach wasn't obviously bringing the talent in, but it was cultivating it. It was making that talent, those different personalities, all work together towards the same goal. Because let's be honest, when we're talking about Scottie Pippen, when we're talking about Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, those are three different personalities. And the last dance just removed a little bit of a curtain to show that. I'm sure there's a lot more that we're never going to know about. So to me, it was the style of Phil Jackson being the ultimate players coach, getting the most out of his players, and most importantly, making sure they coexist on a team to achieve the ultimate goal. So when we talk about coaching styles here, I think it, it kind of warrants a little bit with Doug Marone of what kind of coaching style is Doug Marone right now? Because let's be honest. I mean, we hear all the time, like, Tom Coughlin this, Tom Coughlin that, Tom Coughlin lost the culture. But what is Doug Marone's style? I'm going to break that down a little bit later on in the show, and we're going to get to it. And how is it going to relate to this year where, obviously, it's a must-win season for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Also, today, we had a really special day. You know, every Friday it's a little more laid back here. It's a little more casual. And every once in a while we celebrate some teams. We celebrate some things in the Jacksonville community. Last week, Brett Martineau had about, I don't know, 125 baseball players on the show. How he pulled it off, I still have no idea. I haven't listened to it all yet. Um, but I can't imagine interviewing, you know, 20 plus players in a three hour show and getting the job done, but he got it done. We've celebrated JU. We've gone to UNF. Um, we've talked to the Iceman. Uh, we, we've talked to the Shrimp. You know, like we're trying to do our part here in the community, try to showcase, you know, these great universities, these great teams, and also just these great players that Jacksonville has to offer. Well, needless to say, we've kind of left one team out so far, and I'm happy that we're going to showcase them today. It's actually Jacksonville Giants Day today here on ESPN 690. It's going to be a lot of things Jacksonville Giants. Obviously a team that I have a lot of respect for, a team that actually spent playing for a little bit. Well, when I say a little bit, I mean just one game. Brent Martineau has played a couple games with them, which warrants the question. Coos. Out of anybody in our studio, I would say you're probably the biggest basketball fan. Now, I love basketball, man. I don't really play it that much, but you're passionate. I mean, driving dish podcast, let's go. Next year, 2021, or maybe late 2020, depending on the time, are you going to be suit up for the Jacksonville Giants and do your thing for that celebrity night? I would hate to go out there and dunk on people and just, you know, yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. I would feel bad about it. See, you know, and, and this is the cool thing, right? Because you're trying to deflect the question. I get what you're trying to do here. You're trying to deflect it. You're trying to bring up dunking, which I'm not sure if you can even dunk it. I can't. I haven't it's, even dunked hey, once in my life. Not a big deal because you know who else can't dunk? Larry Bird. And look, <laughs> look how that panned out for him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But let's be honest here. I mean, Brett Martineau's done it a couple of times. We hear all the time about, you know, his, his stat line, his box score. I did it once. And yes, Coos, they call me Mr. Thanksgiving now. Do you know why? Because I absolutely stuffed the box score. I'm talking four points. I'm talking one steal. I'm talking one block. And I'm talking not one, not two, not three. Okay, three rebounds. Let's say three rebounds. And that was a span of about, I don't know, eight minutes or so. And was I nervous? You better believe it because, Coos, I have a reputation here. Yes, I don't really like playing the sport of basketball. Yes, basketball took hockey away from me. Yes, I'm still a little bitter towards basketball because it's all mental. Yes, I don't think you can really be physical in the sport of basketball. Even when I played in that Giants game, I knocked that guy over. He rolled his ankle a little bit from Baltimore, and he proceeded to lay on the ground for about ten minutes. And did I feel bad about it? Not really because you know why? He got up, shot his free throws, and kept 
playing the game. It's not soccer. This is basketball. Just stand up. You weren't that hurt, okay? Don't make me feel bad. I felt bad for a couple seconds, but then he stood up, so it's all good. But my point is that, because we, we, we've all played in that game, okay? Mm-hmm. Brent's played in it a couple times. I played in it once. Your, your time's coming. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just telling you right now. Your time's got to be coming. Yeah, but, like, here's the thing. At the end of the day, they're not going to want to put someone on the on the court that's a producer. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want... <laughs> A producer out there. You want the the talent out there. You want the people that are the names of the show. So I figured we were just rolling you back out there again if they offered. Absolutely not. No, that <laughs> that was a one and done thing. Cause here's the thing, right? Like, yeah, obviously I played in the NFL, and now I'm an MMA fighter. So I consider myself an athlete, right? And yes, I, I can skate around the ice a little bit. Um, I have some decent puck handling skills. Uh, Bob, you know, give me a call from Jack Weissman. Let's get this tryout underway. But when it comes to basketball, man, you got to keep in mind, when I went on that court, I probably hadn't touched a basketball in about a year or so, mm-hmm. okay? And I thought my cardio was where it had to be. Keep in mind, MMA cardio versus basketball cardio. Now, you think, yeah, it's the same thing. MMA fight, you have to go for five minutes. Basketball, you know, you go by quarter by quarter. I was out there for about three minutes, and I don't know if it was an adrenaline dump or what the issue was, but I was shot. And the best part is that we're going to have Coach uh, Jerry Williams on later today, too, and he can attest to this. Dude, I was out there for two minutes playing defense, running up and down the court, and I was shot. And the best part is, and I think it was Maurice Mickens who's also coming on the show later today, uh, he went to me, he's like, yeah, man, it's probably that ice, because we play, we were playing in By Star Veterans Memorial Arena. And he's like, yeah, man, that ice is kind of cold underneath, so it's hard to get your lungs because the ice is underneath uh, the court. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. That's exactly what it is. Well, there's nothing, like, you know, like when you do go run on a cold day and that, like, yeah. burn, that, like, you feel it? But I'm going to be honest, Coos. Wasn't the court, okay? <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't the ice? Like I went along with it because that was a good excuse for me. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't in basketball shape, and that, that's all there's to say about it. My lungs were pumping battery acid three minutes into the game just because, man, it's it's a different energy system. And me of all people doesn't want to come across and sound like, man, I'm not much of an athlete. But I want you to know. I struggled that game, okay? I had to dig down deep. That was like my Jordan flu game right there. Now, whether it was a Jordan flu game, a Jordan hungover game, or a Jordan food poisoning game, regardless, he had to overcome adversity. Mm-hmm. And that Jacksonville Giants game, that was my Jordan flu game right there. So I'm just saying, Coos, I understand you're the producer. You're trying to hide behind the microphone a little bit. I get that. But don't ever sell yourself short. You're part of the show, too, okay? And, and the name Coos carries a lot of cachet, all right? It means something in the world of Jaguar social media and in the world of Jacksonville social media as well. So all Usually I'm they is, just want me fired for messing up the transcript. <laughs> <laughs> so all I'm going to tell you is, man, is get those sneakers ready, okay? Because if the chain of command comes down from the top and it's like, hey, Brent, we want you to play, Brent pass it to me, well, you better believe I'm going to John Stockton pass that request right to you and you got nobody else to pass it to and you're going to be the celebrity guy playing for the Jacksonville Giants. So I'm just saying, get ready. Start working on my threes. Start working on those threes, man. <laughs> There's no way I'm doing anything down low in that game. I'm going to be the <laughs> shortest person on that court for sure. <laughs> but no, but we're, we're going to have a great time today talking about the Jacksonville Giants. And, and I'll be honest, man, and we'll share some stories um, you know, with some players, with, with the coach, obviously, later on in the show. But I just think right now with the last dance you kind of saw behind the scenes a little bit, Training, you know, practicing with the Jacksonville Giants and the greatness that they are, because let's be honest, they've been around for, I think, 10 years now. 
they've won six national championships. Okay, six ABA national championships in ten years. Teams don't do that. Usually there's a grace period. We need a documentary. That's what I'm saying. Usually there's a time where it's like, all right, well, this is a new team. Let's get our feet on the ground a little bit. Let's get acquainted and see how everything's ran. No, not the Jacksonville Giants. And one could actually argue that the Jacksonville Giants are probably the, the most successful, and with all due respect to the Jacksonville Sharks, but they're probably the most successful team right now in the city of Jacksonville. So I'm excited to start the show off, you know, talking about them. I'm excited to have Coach Jerry Williams on here, uh, you know, in, in the 3.30 um, time slot. And it's going to be a, a good day just for basketball fans, a good day for obviously championships, and obviously a good day for winning as well. Cool, should we get ready to go to break here, man? We'll come back and then we'll get, uh, we'll get reset here, start breaking down some Jaguar stuff, start breaking down some Doug Marone stuff. What did Doug Marone have to say today? Did he give us something? It wasn't more of the Gardner Minshew professional stuff. If I know Doug Marone, which I really don't know Doug Marone, but if I had a feeling about Doug Marone, it's that he had some pretty good sound bites today. We'll get into that when we get back on the show here on ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks. There's no one more eager than my family for us to return to work. Um, I can, uh, that's, a, that's for sure. I know for sure we're going to continue the virtual meetings that we're doing. You know, in the memo that, that I received, it said, you know, members of the coaching staff, so I don't know if we're going to go in as a coaching staff as a phase. I don't know about the players because I believe the PA is involved in that. But we're prepared, you know, either way, you know, whether we come back as a staff or players come back in the, you know, in the building, you know, we're prepared for, for anything. That's Jaguars head coach talking the media day. Excited to come back. You can hear it in his voice, you know, and especially – with the landscape right now of COVID-19, you know, still being a giant question mark. Um, you know, he's, he sounds excited. He sounds ready to go, you know, and, and definitely it's an interesting time right now uh, to be a head coach in professional sports and also be a player in professional sports. Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690, Moss Lane. Justin Coos pushing all the right buttons. My co-host Brent Martineau is out for the day watching his son's baseball game. Listen, man, when it, when it comes to we had this conversation yesterday a little bit, and it's an interest, interesting one I want to dive back into um, a little. We talked about just, is this right now with this pandemic and everything and players getting a little more time off, are those players going to be even that more excited to come back and get ready for work? And I believe yesterday, you know, my stance was, well, yeah, of course. I, I mean, anytime you take more time off, you know, you're going to miss something that much more, right? So one would say, well, but of course they're going to be excited to come back. But I've been in a couple locker rooms, okay? And I've been in the young locker room, and I've been in the old locker room. And when we're talking about a rookie, I mean, dude, when I got drafted back in 2010, I was ready to go practice the next day. Now, I took too much Jack 3D and tore my hamstring pretty much right off the bone because I was that excited. But like, I, I was pumped up. I was ready to get to work. I was ready to go. When I was going into my second year, you know, and I was kind of already established of how to do things in the NFL. You know, I kind of had the makings of how to be a professional. You know, like I've been there, done that, and now I have the experience. And what do I always say on this show? You make your most progress from your first year to your second year. But I'll be honest, and keep in mind, I think this was the lockout year as well. I was in no rush to go back during the lockout. It wasn't like, man, I hope this lockout gets finished so I can go back and practice. I hope this lockout can finish so I can go back and bust my ass off in the Jacksonville sun of 100 degrees. No, 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 no. 
And I think I speak for pretty much every single player on my team when I say we were just trying to buy as much time as we could. We were just trying to be like, all right, oh, you know, no progress in the lockout. That's fine. Uh, we'll just keep going and we'll keep waiting and see what happens. And that's how I think it went for every single team. Where it's, yes, we understood that back in 2010, my rookie year, we had unfinished business, right? We go eight and eight. We just missed the playoffs. I think we lost like our last three or four games. We blew it. And I'll be the first to admit that we blew it. So, yes, we had that sense that there was still some unfinished business. But when you're training in that heat, when you're running those sprints, when you're, you know, flipping those tires in the heat and you're going through a lockout, all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, I want to get back to business, but hey, what's the rush right now? And I wonder if that's what a lot of players are thinking right now in the NFL. If this is kind of like the lockout was for me back in 2011. Now, I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars having, you know, the youngest team in the entire NFL, I don't think they have enough vets where it's like all the vets are like, yeah, man, we should probably take a break. Like, no, if, if you're young, um, if you're still a young pup, basically, you're going to be excited to get to the stadium and to get back to work. I always feel like the more time that you spend in the league, the more time that you spend in the NFL, I think every single year that goes by, it's another year where it's like, oh, man, well, here we go again, training camp. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's always exceptions. Those guys are usually the captains. Those guys are, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe football. And so did I at the time. But I also enjoyed my break. I also enjoyed resting my body. And I also enjoyed getting my mind right for the up-and-coming season. And I think right now with what you have with a guy like Gardner Minshew, who obviously is a very smart individual. We sing his praises all the time. A guy like Gardner Minshew who's going to be – the captain this year for that Jacksonville offense, who's going to be one of the pillars, one of the leaders this year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe this time off does help him a little bit, right? Because let's be honest, there was a lot on his shoulders last year, okay? He essentially was a six-round pick, came from Washington State, didn't really have a snowflake chance in hell of starting, starts, wins six games, replaces Nick Foles, who won a Super Bowl. The team gets rid of Nick Foles, who goes to Chicago in a trade, and now it's Gardner Minshew's team. Quite the year for Gardner Minshew. So if he's chilling right now on the sidelines, if he's chilling back home in Brandon, Mississippi, still getting his mind right, you know what? More power to him. Because obviously when he comes back to the great city of Duval, he's going to be required to not only be a leader, but to lead this offense into new heights. So with Gardner Minshew, obviously there's going to be a lot on the plate for him. And Kuz, I think we have some audio today about Doug Marone talking about Gardner Minshew and just what he brings to the table this up-and-coming season, especially helping out the younger teammates. You know, I think everyone's a little bit different, you know, as, um, as far as they can on, on, on how they learn or how they retain information. And I think that, you know, what works for Gardner, what, what, what works for him, I shouldn't say what, what makes him different than everyone else, because I'm not, I'm not going to say that. What works for him is that, you know, early on when we first had him and we saw that, you know, there was this kind of advanced retention, you know, that he had with, with the offenses, you know, and it was intriguing. And, and we wound up, you know, asking him, hey, how, how are you able to do this? And, you know, he has some 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 techniques that he uses and goes through as far as, you know, uh, listening to a, a play and then shutting it off, writing the play up with all the progressions, and then also, you know, him being able to call out the play, you know, verbally him calling the play. So he he works extremely hard 
and does a lot of different things for him to retain, retain information. And I think he knows, um, I think the most important thing in, in what we do football-wise, and we've had these conversations with, you know, coaches and players, is that everyone learns differently. I learn differently than Pat, you know. Um, you know, we all learn differently. And, and as coaches, to get some, to get it across and get the retention, you've got to find that way. Some guys, like I said before, very few can take it from the classroom to the field. That's why I, that's why there's a lot of anxiety, you know what I'm saying, during this time. You know, really, for me personally, when I was an assistant coach, I probably had less than 1% of those players that can do that. The rest of them relied on, you know, the film work, the walkthrough, the, you know, making an error and then, you know, correcting it, you know, to get better. So um, fortunate for, for us, you know, Garden's a guy that can get out there and, and, and really learn and, 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 and try to do what you want when he gets on the field. So, um, you know, those, those are the different things that, that he does that I think gives him, um, you know, the ability to, to understand what we want. This is awesome, Coos. All right, this is some good audio here because I can work with this audio. Three things from this audio real quick. Number one, how many times are we going to hear an alert go off during a Zoom call? Okay, I mean, it's it's a tradition as old as time right now when we're interviewing a player or interviewing a coach, somebody on the media has the alerts turned on and the alert goes off during the Zoom conversation. That's not obviously my big takeaway, but I had to throw it out there. Number two, where was Gardner Minshew when I was at the Combine struggling in front of the Buffalo Bills team trying to write plays on the board where it was like, all right, draw this play up. Uh, Yeah, I got it. And the coach would go, do you feel confident with that answer? I'm like. No, sir. He's like, yeah, you shouldn't because it's wrong. Like, the way Doug Marone kind of described Garner Minshew there, his learning a style, it's fantastic. But the biggest takeaway, Coos, and I'm not over-exaggerating here. I'm not trying to get likes, shares, whatever that is. I think what Doug Marone said about the player's ability to learn might have been one of my favorite things that he said so far about the Jacksonville Jaguars and who he is as a head coach. About three or four months ago before the combine, we did an exercise. Brent Martineau and myself did an exercise. And we said, what kinds of questions would we ask the combine participants, right? Because I've shared the stories before. I get asked all these crazy questions that don't mean anything. And I remember distinctly, the number one question I would ask a player at the combine first is, how do you learn? What coaching style do you need? Because I have to know that stuff. If I'm a coach, if I'm a GM, I need to know what kind of guys I'm bringing in. And hearing Doug Marone kind of sing those praises a little bit about he understands how every player learns differently, dude, that's adapting to your players, okay? That's making your players fit. I mean, I'm sorry, that's your system fitting the players. So props to Doug Marone for doing that because I'm here to tell you right now, I played on three different teams, okay? Not every single team did that. I'm sorry, I played, well, technically four different teams. I was in Kansas City for a cup of coffee. So I was on four different teams. Not every team did that. Some personnel coaches out there are just like, hey, we're going to do it my way or you're out, okay? I'm going to draw it up on the board. We're not going to walk through it. Either you're in or you're out. Either you learn it or you're done. And the fact that Doug Marones understands that you can learn on the board. You can learn doing a walkthrough. You can learn watching game film. Everybody learns differently. And if you know how a player learns and you can teach it to his style and tailor made it to his style, you're going to have a lot more success. I promise you that. So that was a really cool comment by Doug Marone. But like I said, though, today is Jacksonville Giants Day. And when we come back here on ESPN 690, we're going to be joined by the man, by the architect, if you will, by the, I guess, the face that runs the place, maybe, and head coach Jerry Williams. And Coos, if I played a game for him, can I call him coach myself? I can do that, right? 
I can say, hey, what's up, my coach? I've been calling people that we call coach when they didn't even have anything remotely close to coaching me. So, so have I. So instead of Jerry Williams, we're just going to call him coach. But when we come back here on ESPN 690, we'll be joined by Jacksonville Giants coach Jerry Williams. Welcome back to ESPN 690. I'm Austin Lane, joined by, well, really myself and Justin Coos pushing all the right buttons today. Brett Martineau is out of the office, going to enjoy that nice, long, long weekend. And we have a special guest right now on the show. And it's funny, Coos, because this guy's been on the show before, right? And before, maybe I've called him Jerry Williams, maybe I've called him Coach. But now I can honestly call him Coach because for one time, for one period in my life, he was my coach, okay? And maybe in one period of time, he saw that I was winded and it was time for me to come out. But regardless of that, we are joined right now by Jacksonville Giants head coach, Jerry Williams. Jerry, how are we doing today? Oh, man, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. And just for the record, you did great when I, when I had the opportunity to coach you, man. You, you did way better than Brent, I'll tell you that. So you should be proud of that. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest. All right, so our producer, Kuz, Kuz, I need you to record that audio, and that's going to be our join-in for every time we come back on the air uh, to say that Coach Williams thought that I was a better basketball player than Brett, Brett Martineau. Um, coach, we talked about it. Obviously, I played in one game. Um, I saw what you guys brought to the table, not only in that game against Baltimore, but also in practice. You know, um, to me, it was very eye-opening because, you know, you, you think the ABA, and it's obviously it's super competitive, but the way that those guys practice, kind of the culture that you've ingrained on that team, um, where does that come from? What, what are some of your, like, your belief systems of what you, what you bring to the Jacksonville Giants? Well, I just have to, you know, instill in the guys to let them know that our practices are going to sometimes be way better than our game. So you have to take it serious. And as you saw, you was in the trenches. You was there. Mm -hmm. Those guys hate losing. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a free throw contest or three-point contest. They hate losing at all, and they go at each other because at the end of the day, when we practice against the, my first team or my second team or my third team, which I hate saying that because all the guys could play, mm-hmm. but when I split them up and they go against each other, I'm just instilling them like, look, this may be the best competition we get this week. So go at each other and don't hold back. And as you can see for yourself, you were there. They don't hold back at all. Yeah, it was one of those things where like where I was kind of on the fence about playing, and then all of a sudden I saw how intense it was. And don't get me wrong, I mean I played football, uh, I do MMA, man. But like even that intensity in that gym, it was palpable. Where I was just like, I'm just gonna sit on the sidelines and watch what these guys do because it was that impressive. You know, coach, we always talk about on the show, especially with football. You know, like there's some coaches out there that I've had that never really touched the football before. You know, I mean they're just they have a mind mm-hmm. for the game and everything like that. And there's other coaches who grew up playing in high school, who grew up playing in college, and maybe even in the pros a guy like you you know you played semi-professional basketball you've been around the game your entire life do you find that it's an advantage to try to relate to your players a little bit since you've been in those trenches you've been in those gyms you understand the game of basketball not only as a coach but also as a player i mean it's definitely an advantage to it but you also have to take and heed that you know you have to learn to listen to your players at times too and sometimes when you was a player like me for a fact like I play overseas, and I'm thinking I can't just go in the um, situation thinking that I know everything just because I did play. Um, You still have to listen to your players. You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to understand that they're grown men. They're not kids, so they deal with everyday life situations the same as you do. So once you instill that in yourself and you understand that one day Maurice Mixon is going to have a bad practice, Calvin Warner will have a bad practice, Um, Bernard Nugent will have a bad practice one day, and you have to understand that it's not the end of the world. Like, they're just dealing with things just like you are. So 
Um, that's the most important thing to me um, in, in realizing that because once I finally, finally realized that, I became a better coach. Coach, you know, we've been talking a lot uh, about the last dance, and obviously with Phil Jackson, who was on display for that entire documentary. And we get it. You know, he had Michael Jordan. He had Dennis Rodman. He had Horace Grant. He had Scottie Pippen. He had a lot of great players, and they were successful. But at the same time, he had to balance all the egos, all the different personalities, and make them work together. I mean, you know, with your time as a player now playing in Europe and now coaching here in the States, I mean, has it been kind of crazy, I guess, the transition of the of the NBA athlete, you know, I guess the ego involved in a little bit or just the basketball player in general? Has it kind of shocking how much it's changed over even the past decade? Oh, for sure. That's the hardest part about it. Like, the one thing that I laugh about a lot and uh, other coaches do as well when people say, well, you have a good team, so you should win. That's the most untrue thing in the world because the hardest thing is to get all those egos on one accord. And if you're able to do that, yes, you're going to win games. But if you're not able to do that, trust me, you will have a terrible situation. I got 12 to 15 guys that can actually play basketball from the first to the beginning. That I mean, the first to the end that can actually play. My hardest thing is making them understand that we have one common goal, and, and that's to win a championship. That's it. Nothing else matters. I don't care if Marie scores 30 points. I don't care if Rodney Walker scores 30 points. As long as we get it done as a team, as a unit. And this year, I will go on record and say that this was the most compelled team that I've coached because these guys really fought for each other. We went on a road trip to California, man. I'm telling you, I don't know any other team in the country that could have went 6-0 and going out playing against those teams on the West Coast. And we ended up playing against Ron Artest, our first game. So, And we ended up winning that game. And it's just it was, it was a hard thing to do. But like you said, man, these egos, they are difficult to deal with. But once the guys trust you, they, they, you know, they, they try to buy in a little bit more. Talking to Jacksonville Giants head coach Jerry Williams. And, Coach, you mentioned it. You know what I mean? And I play on that team for one game. I think you guys had something special. You know, I believe when Baltimore came into play, um, when I was playing as well, uh, they were kind of, you know, ranked pretty, I think they're second actually in the league. You know, and to say the least, you guys dominated them. Um, so I guess my question to you is how disappointing, you know, with everything that has taken place with the pandemic, with COVID-19, how disappointing was it to you to not only yourself, but also addressing your players and saying, hey, guys, we got something really special this season. We're going to go a long ways. And unfortunately, it's getting cut short because of the pandemic. It was the hardest um, conversations that I had um, with the guys. Um, you know, a lot of them didn't understand it. You know, I had to, instead of being like the coach coach, I had to be a lot of them friends and, you know, put my arm around them and just tell them that, you know, things happen for a reason. Everything happened for a reason. Like, we're all going through the same thing. The MLB, the Major League, the NFL, NBA, everybody's going through the same thing right now. Just, you know, just do what they're, like the country is asking us to do and just try to stay as safe as possible because I want you guys safe. You know, that's the most important thing to me. But at the end of the day, man, it's, it's been tough. It's been it's been unreal to, like, just not be around it and to have a season that you knew was so special cut short. Like, that's the toughest thing. Like, it was it was, it was was cut short, and these guys wanted to do something that, <laughs> you know, they five championships in a row, who does that? <laughs> they wanted it. They wanted it bad, and it was taken away from them, and, you know, I think about it every day, and I hurt from it every day, but, you know, at the end of the day, safety is first. And you talked about five championships in a row, and, and keep in mind here, uh, Koo was talking about producer, I mean, this team was formed in 2010. 
Okay, we're talking about five championships in a row. I mean, one could almost probably call them the Chicago Bulls of the ABA. I'm going to say, Coach, you don't have to say it, but I'll say it for you. Um, When we're talking about, you know, the type of players that you get, obviously you have the talent there, but what type of players do you look to bring on your team? What kind of players do you look to contribute to the culture that is the Jacksonville Giants? Um, Players that could actually fit into our system. Um, We talk about it all the time, man. Like, there's a lot of good players out there. But they, you have to be a special type of player to play for the Jacksonville Giants, especially to play for Coach Jerry Williams. I'm telling you, you have to be a special type of player because I'm going to push you no matter what. I don't care how good you are, who you played for before. If you play for me and you put on a Giants uniform, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be a special type person. And a lot of people have tried to do it and they just can't they can't do it. And I understand it. It's hard to do. So that's why people say, well, you, you love your players a lot. You always praising them. I praise them because I put them through a lot. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I put them through a lot, and I understand how hard it is to play in a Giants uniform because the Giants expect so much from these guys, and they give it to you. You know, um, and then once they – especially, like I said, when they start trusting you, they'll give you every – they'll break their back for you. And a lot of guys are not able to do that. So the guys I look for are the guys that's going to buy into the system. And don't think that you're just going to come here – and play 48 minutes and score 30 points a game because that would not happen under Jerry Williams' watch. <laughs> Talking to Jacksonville Giants coach Jerry Williams. Jerry, we got a few more questions for you. And you talked about it. You know, you talked about the expectations now. You guys have raised the bar to a, a brand new stratosphere. I mean, when people go to the game, let's be honest, they expect the Giants to dominate. And can you just kind of talk about a little bit about, about, about those fans? You know, I think last year you guys averaged around 8,000 to 9,000 fans per game. I was there at Star Veterans Memorial Arena. The thing was sold out. And you obviously have strong Jacksonville ties. Just what has the city of Jacksonville, um, how they embraced you, your team, obviously, and what does it mean to play in front of all those fans? Man, it's the, it's the most important thing in the world to me, especially being a native guy from Jacksonville. Just walking in that arena and seeing so many fans there just there to cheer you on and want you to do well. And, you know, you I mean, you played in Jacksonville. You played for the Jaguars. You know my brother played for the Jaguars. He was a hometown guy. I used to go to those games and just sit there and wish, like, man, I wish we had fans like this. I wish we just had fans that just actually cared about the team. Now we have those. You know, we have those fans. You know, I walk in Walmart. I go other places, and I see kids with Jacksonville Giants shirts on. I mean, man, there's no feeling in the world like it. But that just goes to show you how much the organization hits the ground running every day and how we're in schools. We're in the community. We love the city. The city loves us back, and we show it every single day. Coach, what do you think has been harder so far as you, uh, from the coaching standpoint? Was it hard to first achieve that greatness, to turn things around, or has it been harder to actually maintain that greatness? Oh, it's harder. It's harder. Both of them are hard. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But to maintain it is very difficult because when we play teams and we go to different places, we don't know what we're going to get. You know, a lot of uh, traditional coaching is, you know, you scout the team and you see what the plays they run and you prepare for them. For me, it's difficult for me to do that because I will walk in a gym and it's seven guys that, that didn't play just two days ago for that team. So there's no way I could prepare. <laughs> all, I could, all I could do is prepare us. I have to make sure we're the best that we have to be in order to win those games. And to do that is very, very difficult. But the guys started understanding, like, why we don't have film sessions all the time, why we don't do this because we'll walk in the gym, I promise you, man, this, they got eight new players. <laughs> on, the same, on the team that we just watched play two days ago, <laughs> unreal. And you, have, and you have to prepare yourself for that, and you have to be able you have to be able to react to it 
in a way to where only you got to do what you're supposed to do. If you go out, I tell the guys, if you go out and play the way that we practice, everything will take care of itself. And fortunate enough, we won six championships in nine years. COVID took one from us, but you never know what could happen. Knock on wood. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. You never know what could happen. Absolutely. And coach, and you talk about the ABA and you guys said, you know, you said, told me personally, I mean, you just, you went to the West Coast, you played in California, you played against Ron Artest. I mean, when we're talking about the ABA and especially the, 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 the coach, uh, the, the players that you coach, I mean, what are they looking to get out of this? Are they looking to get another shot possibly at the league? Are they looking to maybe, um, catapult themselves to go play in Europe? Or are they satisfied playing in the ABA, winning championships, achieving greatness and just playing for, you know, obviously the community of Jacksonville? All these guys want to go and play different places, you know, and make as much money as possible while they're still able to play. That's the that's the goal. Some guys just lucky enough to be on a team that happens to be able to win and put them in a situation to where they can go play in Europe. They can go play in the G League. You know, they do get NBA looks and things of that nature. We do have NBA scouts come and try games and things like that. Um, that's big. And, and it attracts a lot of players to the Giants because of that. But, yes, the, the guys are not settling here. But if this is the best opportunity for them at the time, they'll rather be here than being somewhere else. And I could be 100% honest about that. Coach, I'm going to be honest, man. The next time NBA scouts are coming and I'm playing the game, I need you to let me know that so I can actually stretch out before the game and not get so winded, man. I'd appreciate that a lot. Listen, I got one final question for you here. You mentioned your brother, Rasheen Mathis. Obviously, Rasheen Mathis, very well known here in the city of Jacksonville. If we're playing a game to 10, ones and twos, you against him, how does that game go down? I win 10 to 0. Like, easy. Like, that's not even, that's not even, that's not even. No, Rasheed knows. He knows. <laughs> okay, so w- 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 when I see Rasheed at the movie theater, I'm going to ask him this, and he better say okay. it's 10-0 in your favor. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, I promise you, if he doesn't, text me and let me know. Okay, and Coach. I, and I'll get, us on the, I'll get us on the phone together, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> I appreciate that, Coach. Well, listen, Coach, it's been an honor to have you on the show once again. We're obviously a big fan of what you do, not only as a coach, but also for the community and what the Jacksonville Giants do. And on behalf of me, man, it was an honor to watch you coach in that practice that I took part in, and obviously in the game to play for you, man. Uh, I'm not going to make it a career, but it was a cool one-game experience for me. So thanks for stopping on ESPN 690. We appreciate you. Man, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks, Coach. Coach Jerry Williams. Uh, Coons, surprise, you want to throw a couple questions in there, like what kind of offense do they run so you can get ready to go? You know, I was I, you know, I figured you were going to get that information for me. <laughs> no, hey, man, you're a big boy. You can do it yourself. But listen, um, Coach Williams, he's a great guy. And listen, I've always spent a couple time, you know, around him. Like, I mean, literally a couple hours around the guy and seeing his coaching style. But one thing that's prevalent, whether it's in practice or in the games, there's expectations, and his guys love to play for him. You know, and that, I mean, you, you, you can spend an hour in practice and you can realize that, you know. So it's a really cool thing to see. Um, obviously, it's something that the, the city of Jacksonville should be super proud of. Once again, we're talking about a team that started back in 2010 and has already won six ABA national championships, okay? Teams don't do that, Goose. I I can't stress that enough. And obviously, a big part of that starts from the top. And obviously, head coach Jerry Williams, who also said that he beat Rasheed Mathis 10 to nothing in a basketball game. I don't know, man. I saw Rasheed Mathis at at the Giants game that I played in. 
Guy's still in shape. All right. The guy hasn't probably touched a carb in over two decades. Okay. The, the, I've told the story before about Rasheed Mathis. Guy doesn't believe in taking Tylenol. He's all natural, man. Okay. Just drink down with a little wine and you're going to be good to go. Oh, what? You, you had shoulder surgery? Have a cup of wine and you'll be fine. Like that's how tough and that's how badass Rasheed Mathis is. So I'll be honest, man. I love to see the Jerry Williams Rasheed Mathis one on one basketball game made for charity or something. Maybe we can set that up sometime, Coos. Maybe me and you can play against each other as well. When we come back here on ESPN 690, we'll be joined by more Jacksonville Giants players because it's Jacksonville Giants Day here on ESPN 690. But also, don't forget, we're also talking about the Jags a little more. What does Doug Marone bring on the table this year? What's his coaching style? And what else did he have to say to the Jacksonville media today? More on ESPN 690 when we get back.